You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. And I'm Bonnie Blaylock. Well, Bonnie, how many books does the average American read every year? I would hope that it would be a whole bunch, but I'm betting not that many. You're right. A Gallup poll published in January of this year found that reading is on the decline among Americans. And that's been the case for a few years now. In 2021, the average American read 12.6 books over the course of the year down from an average of 15.6 books back in 2016. But last year's rate of reading was the lowest in two decades. And the highest was back in 1999, which wasn't even 20 books. It was 18 and a half. Yeah, but I'm thinking right now, 12 books in a year, that's one a month. That's a ton. I can't tell you. I have a handful of people I know who read that much. Not many. Yeah. I, I just, I have a skewed view of that Most since, don't. Yeah, me since too. we homeschooled and read so many right. books. And we read and write, you and I, a lot. A lot, <laughs> a lot. So, and the number of Americans who didn't read a single book in 2021 was 17%. Ooh. So we have someone here to talk to us about reading. One of my dear friends, Dr. Bobby Solly. Welcome. Thank you. Tell I want you to tell our listeners um, about yourself and why why we asked you to come. You have a lot of expertise. Well, like Renee said, I'm Bobby Solly. I have been in education my whole entire life, and reading has been something that I've done since I was a child. Uh, my mom read to us, and I've always been an avid reader. So when I went back to graduate school, um, my master's degree was in reading, and my doctorate was in elementary ed with an emphasis in reading and writing. So everything I did at university level was teach teachers how to be good teachers of reading and writing. Uh, and that's what mm -hmm. I've done my whole career. Interesting. So you teach the teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she mm -hmm. um, even taught in our homeschool tutorial for a handful of years. And my kids got in on some of that awesome Bobby Solly writing <laughs> instruction and, um, and even how to read a book. So I'm really excited to have so you here. Do you teach little kids how to read? Not anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I, I taught elementary school and I taught fifth and sixth graders. So they already knew how to read. Okay. So we were doing more of reading to learn then okay. and a lot of writing because that was my area. Um, so no, I don't teach children how to read anymore. Just try to encourage them to read. Okay. Which yeah. is a whole nother. Yes. Mm -hmm. A whole nother focus. Yeah, which I really, I do want to get into um, later on. Okay, so as we were researching to talk to Bobby about this mm -hmm. topic, I found an article published by the Ohio State University that noted that young parents, young children, excuse me, whose parents read them five books a day enter kindergarten having heard about 1.4 million more words than kids who were never read to. <laughs> that's a lot of words. It is. And when you think that's the age when... Kids are, well, we've talked before about zero to three is the age when kids are building vocabulary and language skills and all that. And they've heard that many more words, rare words, context, things like that. It makes a huge difference down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I want to just start with that, Bobby. Like if we're, if we've got moms from all seasons of life, but I think some of us, I know I did as a young mom wondered, like, do I read to my baby? Like, what do I, when do I start? Do mm -hmm. I read to my, when do I start? Because, you know, some kids will sit and some kids are real wiggly and don't want to sit. I remember putting Houston in a leg lock to get through <laughs> one, but I'm like, we're going to read aloud in this house and you're going to sit here. So when, when should parents start considering reading to their children? Before they're born. <gasps> Before they're born. <laughs> Should be read to in the womb, both yeah. by mom and dad. <gasps> Why? Tell me Wait, about that. We're back. <laughs> like over here, super surprised. <laughs> because babies hear. Babies know what's going on inside the womb, and they hear the rhythm of the, the book, the cadence of reading aloud, the fluency of reading aloud. Uh, it's the same with music to play the piano or sing to them before they're born. And when they come out of the womb, they've already been hearing that cadence and that fluency of reading as they come out. So as soon as the baby comes home from the hospital, you cuddle, you hold, and you read a book. You may read a short little book, 
but you you start reading as soon as they come home from the hospital. Wow. So it's different than just speaking. It is. It is. Reading um, allows kids to understand what words are and what communication is. They understand, again, I, I keep saying the fluency, but that's real important as kids grow into learning the, ready to read themselves in that fluency. They also begin their listening ability is far greater than their um verbal ability so right. they can listen far more to what you're saying and as they move into just listening and listening to that cadence of reading aloud many times it soothes the baby it it makes a bond with mom and and the baby and dad i can't emphasize the importance of dad reading to babies as well um, and huh. that gives that's something they can do. We've talked about this many right. times. Like they, they feel, feel like, oh, what can I do with this little squirmy thing that needs mostly their mother? Right. Or even before. Well, yeah. well she's the one that's pregnant. And she's the well, I can go get some yeah. people ice cream, but what else can I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you can read a book. Wow. That's really cool. And it doesn't have to be, I'm guessing it can just be any book. It can be. It doesn't have to be the you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. No. It can be War and Peace. You, you can, can read be. aloud to each other, I guess, as yeah. a couple. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what a neat bond that is. What yeah. a neat bond. It is. Evening experience. Yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned the 1.4 million uh, words. Kids who are read to, babies who are read to every day, learn about 78,000 words a year, new words. And as they're learning those new words, they're, that's puts them a step higher when they enter school because they have an increased vocabulary that other kids don't. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a principal, and she said, you would be amazed at the kids who come to kindergarten. They don't even know which way to hold a book. Mm-hmm. So they've never been exposed. Whereas my nieces, they played with books. We, they not only read books, they played with them, turned them upside down, put them in their mouth, chewed on them. And they eventually learned which way was right, which way was upside down. Mm-hmm. And they automatically begin to do what we want them to do through reading. So that exposure to books from the very beginning is a vital, vital. That um, reminds me of of a scenario that I've seen and uh, read about recently where uh, what you just said is true. Like a lot of kids are coming into school. I don't know. I don't know about a lot, but a number are coming into school, not knowing what to do with the book, really not knowing what it is. But they're plenty familiar with a tablet. Mm-hmm. They're plenty familiar with a screen. And so you give them a book and they're tapping it. Or they're swiping at it, trying to make the pages turn. What? And they don't know what the actual old-fashioned book is supposed to do. Okay, so can we do a little tangent and go off the notes here for a second? <laughs> How do you feel about ebooks, Pawnee? I, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them, but okay, it's not. Bobby's mouthing something, too. Well, I hate them, too. <laughs> um, and I get the convenience and the size you know you can put a ton of ebooks and travel easily rather than carrying your 25 pounds of of books although my husband does both I'll just say (laughs) but there's just something about a page in your hand the sound it makes when you turn it the smell of the book all of that is experiential in different ways with different senses that an a tablet is not. Okay, so not just that. Do you do you know, Bobby, about like the comprehension on an ebook versus a page? I talked to um a friend of ours at Eastern European Missions. They pu- they publish Bibles and Bible storybooks and put them in schools and give them away. And I asked, um, do you have thumb drives for like ebooks, digital mm. books? And he said we have considered it because it would be a lot easier to distribute. He said, but the comprehension tanks on an ebook. And so hmm. what we we're giving them Bibles, we want them to remember what they're reading. We're we're sticking with the paper. And I was like, Interesting. Why? I, that because, is interesting. Because can can't you when you read a book again and again? So for me, it's like my Bible that I've had since I was, I don't know, 15 years old. I know where on the page certain things are. Yeah. But when I read, you know, I've done coursework recently where I was just devouring books and was doing them on ebooks. Well, the words jump. They're never in the same spot. I'm, I close the book out, I open it up, and the words have shifted. And it, I noticed it. It really affected my comprehension. So That's interesting because the way memory works, at least for me and maybe some other people, it is like that. It's a visual memory of a page or where something is on a page. Yep. And I can pull that information back up for a test or whatever it is. 
uh, just like you were describing. Yeah. So if that was not the case all the time, I think studying would be twice as hard, mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. for me and the way I learn. Um, if, yeah, I've got to remember, okay, what, where was that graph and what did it look like on the page and where? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So I I, again, yeah. maybe there's a place for eBooks parents if you're on the go and and traveling on an airplane, but I would say I would really stick with it, especially for the reasons Bobby was just mentioning, like having the child touch the book and hold the book and chew the book and turn it all different directions mm-hmm. and learn how to like interact with a book. That's so with important. The pages. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, so, okay. You start with reading aloud to kids because they can't read. What are some of the benefits of reading aloud to children after, um, the what you said in the womb, is there any more, um, in terms of like maybe toddlers, early elementary, I think as kids get to read on their own, parents kind of stop reading aloud. Which they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us uh, more. Um, as we said, uh, reading aloud to kids increases their vocabulary, which is going to increase their comprehensions when they get to the place where they can read on their own. It builds a real strong connection between the spoken and written word. Um I'm, I've got permission to to use Daisy today because I've been watching her since she was born with books. And she's four. She knows when I mispronounce a word. Mm-hmm. She knows where the word is on the page. She knows when to change the page and when to turn the page. And she's four. So, and she's been knowing so that. She's for not probably, actually reading. No, but, but, she, but knows she knows all of that because there's this yep. real yeah. strong connection between the spoken and the written word. And Katie, and when I read, we kind of run our fingers along the, where the words are and turn the page, and and then we talk about the pictures, so she knows that pictures and words go together, and that you can figure things out in the words by looking at the picture. The other side of the spectrum, my nephew, when he was younger. Sadly to say, my brother did not read as much to them. And when I tried to read with Carson to and point out, let's look at this word, he couldn't figure it out. Look at the pictures. He had no knowledge. He had no, um, mm. he didn't know he could look at the pictures and then figure out what the word was. Mm. So that's a difference in someone who's been read to all, you know, three and four times a day we read mm-hmm. to Daisy. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But that's for a non-working mom or working outside the home mom, uh, with moms at work, it's going to be a little more difficult, but, um, finding time, it doesn't have to be a great deal of time either. No, it takes five minutes, five minutes, Mm -hmm. five minutes before bedtime Mm -hmm. or five minutes before any transition time to sit and snuggle and read, um, does wonders for that communication. Children's attention span also is increased as you read. Even if it's my brother, he was not, he was like you were saying uh, about Houston, he couldn't sit still. But we would read to him for a minute. Mm-hmm. One day, we would try to increase it by a minute and a half the next day and try to incrementally uh, increase the time that he could sit and read. So don't give up if no. they're squirmy or whatever. Even if they're squirmy, continue to read to them. Absolutely. Um, Reading aloud for is the building block of future language learning, whether it be them learning to read and learning to write. I had a high school senior the other day said something about write. We were talking about the writing they've been doing, and he said, "I'm a reader, and I think that helps me." And I said, "Absolutely, one hundred percent." Good readers are generally good writers mm-hmm. when because they are so connected and yeah. interconnected. So wow, because you learn what works, you learn mm-hmm. what sounds good, what doesn't sound good what you want to sort of emulate and what you don't mm-hmm. if you're interested in writing. Yeah. All the different styles and punctuation. All of exactly. It. Exactly. I noticed that, um, and it really was, you know, my curriculum was open and go. It was like day Monday, do this, read this, read this, read this, read this. And we, it was like every subject. And, and I had every day things I had to read aloud from every subject. Um, and that went on they through high school. There were things that we had to read aloud, and I don't think my gut would have been to continue to read aloud to my sixth grader, to my eighth grader, to my ninth grader. So you say you keep doing it. Yeah. So what's the reason of that? Well, I I don't know about, you know, seventh and eighth graders. I I don't know. That's going to become more and more difficult time-wise because of the increase in uh, activities that upper-grade kids do. I know my mom read to us until I was probably sixth grade. Uh, My sister read to Katie Nana probably through sixth grade. Katie said she can remember 
laying in the bed and Robin would be in the middle and Katie and reading Little Women and she oh, was fifth grade. That's beautiful. So, you know, <laughs> so, and that, that's a precious memory to Katie. Yeah. Um, so, and the other thing is that our, our listening abilities, we can listen to di- more difficult books than was perhaps we can read them. That's an interesting And so point. as they get older, the parent wants to read a book that's just a little beyond what they can read on their own. And and that helps, again, bridge the gap between the spoken and the written word. And it helps kids move into that more difficult reading if they've heard it read aloud already. So, okay, Renee, so in your experience, I think you were doing that. I think you've mentioned that on here before, that you're reading just a little bit. I mean, it was two grade levels. Well, they had to stretch. So mm-hmm. we're in the process of doing that, were they stopping you? What is that word? What does that word stop, mean? I would stop. Do you and know ask. what that word's mean, word means? What do you think that word means? And, you know, Houston did learn to sit pretty early on. It didn't take that long. Didn't take that many weeks of leg locking. <laughs> Don't send DHS on me. It was a kind leg lock. But um, but eventually, once he got old enough and, and had, had years under his belt, like by third grade, you know, of being read aloud to every day, I let him move around. So I let him jump on the mini trampoline while I read and I just checked his comprehension. Could he focus while I was, while he was jumping? No, Emma hated it because it was mm, distracting, just for her. bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. But um, the only thing he couldn't do while I read aloud was Legos. He got too engrossed in Legos in the imagination of it, but I could let him move some. And so I think that that's also an option down the road. But yeah, for yeah. sure. Emma had a little bit of a struggle. Um, she wasn't as quick as an, of an onboarder reading. And I remember calling the Sunlight Helpline and they're like, oh, she should be reading um, like three quarters of what she should be reading should be at or below. It should be easy for her because what you're wanting is success. Would you, you're nodding, Bobby. What would you recommend to parents? For those for reading early, independently? Yeah, like early, early years when I was like, let's go. And I was a natural reader and I was pushing her too hard. And she was, I could see she was not liking to read. And they said, oh, no, no, no. You need to back it up. Um, independent reading generally, I, I keep test, uh, using Daisy. She's already doing independent reading. Katie takes uh, pictures through the monitor of her when she's at quiet time. She is laid out on her stomach with her books all in front of her. And she's reading every one of them. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning of reading. Whether or not they're actually reading each and every word, that's okay. But she's still reading because Engaged. she knows the words. Mm-hmm. She knows to turn the pages. And she's reading to her babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she starts school next year, she should already be reading on her own. The books that she reads should be, as you said, at her level or a little bit below, but high, high interest, um, or else she's gonna not she's not gonna want to do it. I, I'm gonna suggest to Katie probably another year, start introducing, maybe not even that long, start introducing those little short chapter books. Cynthia Rylant has some of they're just um, Mudge and mm. I forgot the other uh, title, but Mudge is one of the characters. And they're just little short chapter books. The chapters may be only two pages, big words on the page, but it still is one that you would read. We're going to read this much today and we'll come back tomorrow and read this mm, next part. Yeah. Uh, so that keeps her the interest along, building her up to the time that she can read chapter books in on her own. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that was, and and again, that was my disposition. I, I pushed myself really, really hard. And that was, if I hadn't called for help, I could have really derailed her love for reading for several years and caused, you know, conflict. So this is gold information, moms. Yeah. Pay attention to what Dr. <laughs> Solly is saying because it really is. It makes it makes all the difference. I saw I saw a huge change in my own child when I started doing what she's describing. The other thing so. about um, the type of books, Daisy doesn't always read classic children's literature. We have been reading Barbie books. Yep. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> but that I would like to see a picture of that. <laughs> I and and Daisy likes them read over and over. Yes. So we have read a particular Barbie book multiple times. And I just keep faking it and faking it <laughs> because that's what she wants to read. And then I'll throw in a good one. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. she, she guys Daisy likes a multitude of books, so it's okay. So if your child I Choose books of things they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we would go to the library and I would um, 
asked them to go down at the children's section, had it by topics, you know, like in topics of interest. It wasn't just straight by the author's last name. And so I made them choose from like four different aisles. You can pick anything you want off the science aisle, pick anything you want off the fantasy aisle, anything you want. So that, so that it made them stretch, but they still had total autonomy and what they were picking. Yes. I, yeah. I cannot talk about the libraries enough. We were there every week, sometimes twice a week. Uh, if they had story hour, we mm-hmm. would go to that. If, and it was for that reason, that autonomy that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was like, they have so little control in their worlds when they're young, but to be able, I mean, the library is like a, oh. an amazing treasure trove of aisle after aisle after aisle of Anything I want, <laughs> it's like a candy store. And we would leave there with stacks. I mean, you, and it's not a limit on what you can take. So, Listen, what, what kid would not love we that? We are line ball boosters. I don't know how many late fees I've paid to line ball. You're welcome. <laughs> like, I, we had, because we checked out so many books. Yeah, it was just part of our weekly yeah. routine. We would go and get a stack. That's what Katie did. We mm-hmm. would go through them. I mean, a ton of them that very night because they were so excited. And then throughout the rest of the days. And bring them back and do mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. The story time that uh, Limeball Library has is also, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Daisy's been going to, she was 17 months, every week, mm. mesmerized over what they're doing. And then she's able to pick out, she and Katie together pick out books. And her room is full of books. They're, that's just part of her playtime mm-hmm. is books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like and that idea. That was one of the gifts they requested at their oh yeah um, when she was adopted. yeah adoption blessing yeah. was books fill up her crib yeah. with books I just thought oh I am so onto that I, I love know, that idea I know babies when um, she was a little bitty baby the books that she used that we read were books that were those hard board books yep. that were the small squares that were chubby and mm-hmm. chunky mm-hmm. that she could hold in her hand and chew in her mouth that only would have one word red ball or yellow mm-hmm. duck um, and the books that were crinkly, that had all different kinds of textures that you could rub, like uh, the wool of the lamb or the, yep. the yeah. um, sandpaper of something. And she loved those books. She she adored those books and played with them like they were her toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had so many of those, too, and until they eventually would just fall apart fall because apart. they were That's so right. well-loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My kids to this day, and they're in their 20s, can recite this one. It wasn't even paper. It was like... Um, vinyl mm-hmm. that they would use in the bathtub and they can so, someone will start the first line when bath time <laughs> comes i'm ready and the other two will just fall right into the whole thing this is oh yeah that's our book yes our cat in the hat yeah yeah the sun thing was not out it was too wet to pet play so we sat in the house all that cold cold wet day I sat there with sally i mean i could just keep going i mean how many i'll tell you another thing that daisy has liked too yes. that i started not every kid likes this particular thing but it's um it's not high life. It's it's a part of high life, but it's the one just below highlight. And she gets a monthly magazine. Oh yeah, yep. monthly magazines are so fun. Yes, I and remember they're, those. They're to her on her name. Yes, so she gets them. And she's just now. I started last year, but she's just now getting to the point that she loves them and wants to read those over and over again. Oh, and they have more than it. just reading; they have poetry, games, mm. yeah. Uh-huh. The, and poetry is real interesting too with kids. That's different from books. Uh, the games, the search a word yep. and seek and find. All of those things help help the cognitive development of young children. I love that. So, and, and poetry too. See, I don't think I would have had the discipline or even thought of it. To read poetry to my kids, but it was required in our homeschool curriculum. Houston and I, we love to read poetry together. Shell Silverstein, we Shell Silverstein. That's what I was. That's interesting because Ben loved those Shell Silverstein too, and I think poetry is a little nod towards music. I think mm-hmm. you're right. And then and they're both real it's musical. The two of them that were mm-hmm. super musical. Yeah, my daughter wasn't so much into the poetry. Yeah, Emma loved for all her love of art and beauty. And dance mm-hmm. and creating things. She was not my poetry girl. It was Houston. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so there's cool. probably something there we could write a big paper on. Uh, I, <laughs> I know, know, I know. Let's go back to grad school. No, I'm just kidding. Let's don't do that. <laughs> no, Let's don't right. do that. Uh, okay, I have a question about reading and audiobooks. So, how do you feel about audiobooks, like in the car, or in the bedroom, or whatever? I don't like them, but. <laughs> yeah. All of y'all listening out there who know me are not surprised by that. Uh, I don't, I'm like Bonnie about holding a book. 
I want the book. You want the book. I, I don't even listen to audiobooks myself mm-hmm. um, because I yeah. want the book in my hand. I want the pages. I want to turn. I want to feel. But in a long car ride, if you're going, you know, Anna and Brian, they go to Texas. Katie and Sean go to Arkansas. And that's an option. More yeah. power to you to okay. do that. Um, what at about- least they're hearing good language. They're hearing sophisticated language in books. Uh, and they can follow along with it. So I also know a young family who told me the dad recorded some books and talked to the children at the beginning. Hi, I love you so much. Let's read this book together. And then they just have it now where she can just play it when he's gone to work or gone on a trip for several days. I thought that was pretty clever. That's almost as good as being there. It's not quite as good, but again, that's an audio book. You could do that. You could, and you could do it at the pace that you normally would have done it if you were home. Yeah. You know, doing the same sorts of voices and different mm-hmm. things that you your child's familiar with, which I think is would be really sweet to yeah. leave. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, if you've got a phone, you've got a recorder. Mm-hmm. You know, you, back in the day, I had to buy one. You yeah. Know, for to to use for um, school and things with my kids. So yeah, try that. But I would suggest using it as a supplement, not as not the as be a, all in yes. all of yeah. what we do with kids at home. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing like sitting next to a parent and reading together. Listen, yeah. I, there's a swing. I was, I'm numb for this. There's a swing hanging in my den. That's where we read our books. We moved that thing. It's hanging from the ceiling. It, you know how much of a pain that thing is to hang? <laughs> we read we read almost all our books on that swing. I will never get rid of that swing. If mm-hmm. it was falling apart, I would still have it hanging <laughs> in, in my den because that is the place Yeah, where one on one side of me, one on the other side of me, where we did hours. Mm-hmm. And hours of reading together. So precious. Such fun memories. Um, so I think with the audiobooks, I wonder if for some children, maybe with learning disabilities, or maybe not, maybe I could be wrong, um, if it doesn't help to hear it spoken and follow along. I know a, a live human being could do that probably better. But if in the absence of that, for an older child, would that be a help to follow along on an audiobook word for word? Yes. Um, I have a friend who's pretty, pretty far along in the dyslexia path. And she has, she told me, I didn't know this, that Kindle has a font called Open Dyslexic um, that makes it so much more easy for her to read. Hmm. It takes away the um, Times New Roman. The serifs and everything. Serifs, Mm -hmm. yes. And it makes it very blocky. So if you or I were to look at it, it makes it more difficult, I think, to read. But for her, it changes everything. So mm. the font is something to experiment with mm-hmm. if your child, you know, maybe is struggling a little bit. Try something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did it as a treat um, once we hit the high school years and the reading got really heavy, like Grapes of Wrath and things like that. Um, <laughs> I would let them like have one book that they could listen to um, in lieu of me reading aloud. And that gave me a break too. Because honestly, like three hours of that, my throat was tired. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I kind of, it was a treat for me too, for them. So yeah, it has its place for sure. So did you guys, was it just you always reading or did they, did you take turns? That no, was me. On the higher. Okay. Yeah. It was always me. Did David read? Um, Not much. It was almost always me because we did school during the day. Um, I mean, he would at like just for bedtime reading, but not the school was 100% me. Um, And and now, I, if I'd gone back and knew these statistics, I would have probably said, hey, I'll save this one book. This will be y'all's book mm. for, like, when you get home. But, no, it was mostly me. Research has indicated that for little boys, they are far, they become far better readers quick, more quickly if dad has read to them on a daily basis. I love that piece mm. of information. Moms, take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Daddies need to be reading yeah. to their kids. I need because sometimes when kids get into school, reading is not a cool thing anymore for boys. Mm. It's you know reading is only for girls. But if Dad's been reading to you ever since you were came home from the hospital, you don't have that hang up. You don't have that stigma attached to it. So it's it's just real important for dads uh, yeah. to read, and that's probably a cycle too because the dads weren't read to, and the dads mm-hmm. weren't the best readers, and so it's just easier for mom to do it. So, so. just put this podcast where your husband can hear it, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scroll to whatever minute it is we're on. Right now. But dads can read the cat in the hat. 
Yeah. You know? yeah. Maybe I mean, they I'm, don't want to read Narnia, but they could read. Well, Pat I was Pat. just about to say David read Narnia. That was their book. Oh, there you go. Yeah. My dad read comics to us. My dad did too. I would sit in his lap on Sundays and he would read the colored comics to us. Same. Okay. <laughs> so that brings up a great point because what counts? And um, people kind of diss comic books and comics a lot. As, oh, that's not a real book. That's not real reading. But I'm like, hey, if it gets their attention and if it's something they're interested in, let them read it, right? You know, graphic novels are big. I was at uh, MTCS last night at the ha- Trunk or Treat, and they had the book fair. There was a whole big, whole section of graphic novels. Yes. Okay. And books that I knew that they had turned into graphic oh, novels. Interesting. Um, and if that's what kids like to read, they're still reading words. I that's mean, that's, right. Mm. It's reading. So. I love yeah. that because I kind of would turn my nose up at that. But, you know, I had a boy who was really into that. He yeah, really I don't liked want that. To, but. Right. And but to me it's hard to follow the words. They're all over the place. Yeah, me too. But but no, you're right. It is a it's a good it's a good way. Houston read the Marvel Comics Encyclopedia till it was falling apart. <laughs> I'm telling you it like a full yeah. several hundred pages. I was like, dear God, please let him love the Bible as much as this one day. <laughs> yes, Star Wars and all that stuff. <laughs> but he loved it. It's interesting. And to, I mean, fact is, comic books average 53.5 rare words per thousand compared with an average of 30.9 rare words per thousand oh. in children's books. Also higher than adult average books of so, rare words. So comic books are actually giving you more of a vocabulary boost than you think. Okay, that's a cool fun fact. I don't know what the rare words are. Biff, bam, bam. pow. <laughs> Kazam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my I'm not goodness. Sure, but. Okay, so what about this... Um, Dr. Solly, what about incentives for reading, like classroom or even at home? Are you for it? No. Okay. Oh, okay. Why not? <laughs> you want reading to be intrinsic. Anything that you extrinsically reward kids from for, as soon as the reward is gone, they're going to stop. Um, there used to be a program called Accelerated Reader. We hated Accelerated Reader, <laughs> all of us who were in higher ed, um, because all it did was tell the kids, you're only good if you get this many books and I'll give you a pizza party, or I'll give you this candy, or I'll give you this ice cream if you read this many. And they read all these books and didn't know what they had read. Mm-hmm. Comprehension was tanked. Completely oh. tanked. Well. Okay, so um, my kids were avid readers, and I did that in the summer because I just thought they're missing out on accelerated reader. <gasps> they don't get the pizza party. So I was like, you get a penny a page. And I mean, goodness, they read. Yeah, they read a lot. But it wasn't like they didn't like reading before that. No, they did. They did already liked it. I think, I, maybe, I think that's a difference. Maybe know your child. I, I would say that. I think that's a difference for kids who... Accelerated reader to me was especially harmful for kids who did not come from homes where reading was uh, prevalent because they really did only read it for the pre- for the prize they were mm-hmm. going to get. And as soon as it was over, they quit reading uh, and they didn't, mm-hmm. under, they didn't comprehend half of what they read. Kids who were already reading, they were going to already read anyway. Mm-hmm. So why spend the money on a present when you're already doing it? Because you have homeschool anyway. guilt and you feel like your kids are missing <laughs> out. On something no. fun at public school, <laughs> and so you just do it at yeah, home. I think it promotes so much competition, and it was okay. If I'm in this level, or if I'm reading, if I get to check out the books with the red dot, and so and so over here is only getting the green dot, it's it promoted this, um, I don't know, hierarchy, or it could. Well, you're not as smart as I am, I guess. Mm. Sorry, well, reading sorry groups, we knew in reading groups, like who was, even if they didn't say which was the top group and which was the middle group and which was the low group. Well, if you, if you think about what kind of learner you want children to become, if you want children to love learning for learning's sake and to become a better citizen, a better person, a better follower of Christ, a better partaker of what is out there to read, giving kids reward is going to actually work the opposite. Giving rewards actually works the opposite of helping kids become the kind of learner you want them to become. Um, I'm trying to think of this author's name. I can see the book. It's rewards, uh, reward by punishment. I can't think of the author's name, but it is entirely about how what we've done in schools actually has turned kids off to learning rather than promoted intrinsic learning. Hmm. 
Just by the, um, what are you talking about? Testing and, and grades and, and rewarding. The rewarding. rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That may, that may, I want to chew on that one for a second. Me too. I, I was reading the other day that this author, y'all probably know, John Acuff. He said over the summer, kind of like you did, Renee, he put a $20 bill in the back of all these books. They had summer reading they had to do anyway. This was above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And they, his kids were good readers, but he and his wife wanted a few extra books that weren't in the curriculum or that they weren't going to get to in English class that they thought were good. And it was an all or nothing thing. I think they had five and you can just read one. You had to read all five to get the reward at the end. And they did. Um, he didn't mention what the comprehension was, but I imagine just because I kind of know their family, I imagine they talked about them and kind of debriefed. And what did you think family of that? Family book and, group kind yeah, of thing. What about this character? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it depends on the kid or if you got a real busy, you know, everybody's into sports and music and all the other activities and stuff. There's very little time left and reading takes time. It does. But listen, I'm just going to lay it on you because um, in Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies, he talks about the Benda family who lived in Prague when um, the Russians came in and took over and instituted communism. And the father, who was a dissident, refused to join the Communist Party, was jailed. And the mother, who was a university professor, had they had five children in state-run schools that were mm-hmm. getting indoctrinated into communism, and she didn't want that. And she's a single mom at this point, and and is so for I think he was in jail for four years, maybe five. After she worked all day, she would come home, cook dinner, and then she would read aloud to her children um, for two to three hours in the evening. And because she wanted them to have good books in their minds and in their hearts, and she wanted to shape their worldview in a way that was very different from how they were being shaped in those schools. So they read Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings, and they knew, you know, the the good guys and the bad guys in those stories actually translated to real life. Yeah, And so, you know... To me, if she can do it, we can do it here in America between soccer practice and school. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just like you say, Bonnie, it's like, what's your yes? You know, right. whatever you say yes to means you're saying no to something else. Mm-hmm. And to us, I'm so grateful for the discipline homeschool required of me to read aloud. Um, and it, it was, it's like my probably my favorite childhood memory. And when my children were asked... The little, the typical quiz, when people find out that's how, that's your education choice. What's your favorite subject? They always said read alouds, and I was like, you have to stop saying that. People have no idea what, know what that they is. They don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> and they think we're weirdos anyway. Can you just say English? <laughs> read alouds. It was always read alouds, year after year uh-huh. after year, and I'm so grateful. I used to tell my students when we're, we would talk about reading aloud in, in classrooms because I think that's equally as important that teachers read aloud multiple times a day in school. And they would say, but when are we going to find the time? And I would say, you don't have the time not to. You don't have a choice, in my opinion. If you want your kid to be a reader and a learner and to be successful in school, it's something that you, it's as important to me, and I'm a literacy person, but it's important as important to me as nap and food and everything mm. else. It's just to mm. me part of that's part of the routine that you set up in your home. We eat, we we sleep, and we read. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I yeah. know I'm a little bit. No, that's how it was at our house. Yeah. If you want your kid to be successful and and learned, I guess is a word. I just. I don't see that you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I when you said that, I I kind of had this memory of my kids in school, and it wasn't kindergarten or when they were starting to learn to read, but later grades when they had teachers who read aloud to them. And I kind of thought at the time, you know, that that's kind of a waste of the time of your day because you can do that at home or you can do that with me and your teacher is there to give you the math and the science and all the things that I can't. But I think I was really dead wrong on that. Because not just for them, but I mean, there's other 20, 30 kids in the classroom. So I don't know what their home life is like for one thing, but it's, it is a different setting and feeling to have someone else read aloud to you with your peers, then talk about it Mm -hmm. and, and watch other people's Mm -hmm. reactions to the characters or the action or the, you know, what's going on, empathizing and imagination. 
I, I agree with you now that it's vital. I ha- I'm teaching a dual enrollment English class at MTCS right now, and um, we're reading Animal Farm. Well, they're not all readers, so you know this is a stretch for many of them to read. And I said yesterday, it was so interesting to hear them talk about. I just had them read two chapters over the weekend, but it was so interesting because you could t- I could tell by what they were saying who's a reader and who wasn't mm. because those who are not readers they were confused by the characters. Which if you read Animal Farm. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some pigs in it, and you know, <laughs> but it was just an interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I read to them, I wanted to read a picture book that was satire, allegory, and fable. So I read Feathers and Fools by Min Fox, which is a picture book. They were, I wish that I had a video. They were in, I mean, in rapt attention, mm. seniors in high school that are about to graduate and go to college for me to read a picture book to them. And it was it was fairly amazing to watch the attention wow. of that. So I don't think we're ever too old, nope, um, <laughs> to hear good literature and to hear mm. good stories. Um, so, and it really is an art. I mean, I I I can I can see how I got better at it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if it's you're not used to reading aloud, you know, and the you're reading with the punctuation. Or changing your voice or the characters or whatever. You can, you, it's really fun to grow in that, mm-hmm. moms. It's really, really fun thing to do. It is. And that's the stretch that comes from anybody can, I think anybody can read a picture book or a little board book or something when you're, you know, to your six month old. But then you get up to Lord of the Rings with your middle mm-hmm. schooler or mm-hmm. Harry Potter, even or some of those. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it can be a little challenging. Okay. So, what about content in books? All of our reading was curated, and we read a, a wide range of worldviews and objectionable content that we could um, debrief about. But again, I'm reading it aloud to them. And once your kid starts reading, I, I couldn't read every book my kid was reading. So how do we make good decisions on what our kids are choosing to read? Or, or like, you know, they're, they're going to the library, picking out their own books. Mm-hmm. What do we do? I, I don't have a good answer for that. I do know... Um, Katie's been going to the library with Daisy and they have, they've been going through the alphabet. They started with A. I think they're, she told me they're on W right now. Wow. And they pick out 10 or 12 books that Daisy thinks she'll like from each of the last letter of the author's name. And they got home one week and she started reading a book and got about halfway finished halfway through it and realized it was of questionable content, sent me the page, picture of the page, and we both went, oh. <laughs> So we had to stop. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of questionable content these days. Um, and the newer books, it's harder and harder mm-hmm. to find newer books that don't have um, things that we as Christ followers want to steer clear of and have our kids not read. It's difficult for my seniors um, trying to find they're going to be reading a book of choice next year, next semester. We're going to give them choices. It's been extremely difficult to find a good quality novel that doesn't have content that we don't want to include. Mm-hmm. So I think even though we can't read every single thing that our kids do, I think we have to be knowledgeable enough in different authors to know which authors are going to tend to go one way or the no- or for another. Um, I just don't see a way around it mm-hmm. that we have to, I think as parents, we have to at least be able to peruse a book and see, you know, what the content is. I just think that's, um, I just think that's what we have to do these days. Right. We didn't used to. It used to be that way, but it is now. At the very least, I think you can um, Google, you know, or or mm-hmm. look at some content reviews, things mm-hmm. like that. At the very least. I know Focus on the Family had a, it, um, it was for digital content called Plugged In. Mm-hmm. And we could always go read a movie, an in-depth movie review before we would go with our children, you know, to watch it at the movie theater. But there's got to be resources out there that give Thorough book reviews. You're right. You should be able to well, just look Am- that up. Amazon has book reviews of just about every book because that's what we've been using mm-hmm. without having to read every book that's out there. Mm-hmm. And 
those reviews are pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. If it's got questionable content, the reviews will say it. And okay, here's the deal. I don't mean like every little thing that is a, that is opposed to a Christian worldview. We read lots of things that were opposed to a Christian worldview mm-hmm. and talked about why they they were mistaken and why someone might believe that or you know. And so yeah, we read we read about all kinds of people groups because mm-hmm. every culture gets some things right and some things wrong. Mm-hmm. Because we all bear God's image. So I was very much for inoculating them to a wide variety of, of ways people live and the choices people yeah. make. However, just consuming a series, like when Houston got into Harry Potter, I was like, I got to read that. Like he's, I can't just turn my nine-year-old loose and. Right. I wasn't super so interested in reading that, that's, <laughs> but it was good. That it was, was good. the, that's the thing. I um, was an early reader myself. And if you have a child who's an early reader and who goes up those accelerated reader charts (laughs) quickly, um, very soon they're out of the easy chapter books and the graphic novels and they're into the longer, you know, 50,000 word um, books, longer chapter books, even adult novels Mm -hmm. can easily read. But that content changes widely and wildly. Um, Right. So it might be fine if she was 12 reading it, but not at seven. Not at seven. Right. Yeah. I was, gosh, late elementary, early middle school, finding things in the English teacher's workroom at my school that they would just, you know, that's on the shelf. So it's a book. I can read it. And I did. (laughs) And let me tell you, it was completely inappropriate. I still have (laughs) chapters in my head that I wish I could just tear out that I had no business as a kid reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's easy to do because at a public library or, you know, even on your cousin's shelf or whatever in somebody else's home, you could pick that up easily and read it. Uh, ugh, I, yeah. Um, I wish I could Clorox my brain, some of that <laughs> out of there, but I can't. Um, but just um, having written for a certain adult audience, I've kind of familiarized myself now with, okay, what what is middle grade? What is young adult? What is adult? What is what classifies that? And the middle grade is generally 12. Once you reach age 13, things can change very quickly. The coming of age novels, um, a lot of things that you do today to come of age are probably not what you want your kids doing to come of age. (laughs) That coming of age, when I was coming of age, dealt with kissing, maybe a little sex, uh, but that was it. Maybe smoking. Maybe that was the coming of age. Coming of age now is far, far different yeah. in those books mm. now. And if and if I was going to say, Renee, as you're reading with your child those books, I think you have the opportunity then to decontextualize them all mm-hmm. and take them apart yes. and talk about them. But if your kid is just out there reading on his own and has no way of of talking through the things that are happening in the book, then it's a much more dangerous um, place to put them. I think take the opportunity, parents. It's uh, you're uh, people are always telling us, you know, how do I engage my child? Mm-hmm. And ha- talking about a book mm-hmm. is a neutral thing. Yeah, it's a it's not what they're doing. It's not what you're doing. It's another thing. It's a perfect way to have some really great conversations. And if they're interested in it, that's how you engage with your child. So you hate Minecraft. Okay, go play a game of Minecraft. Figure it out. That's right. So you hate, maybe you hate reading. Read the Hunger Games. Talk Mm -hmm. about what the Hunger Games means. Read Twilight, as painful as it is. Uh. Read the series and talk about why this is so appealing to teenage girls and adult women. Why why are they interested in that? Um, 50% of young adult books are read by adults mm-hmm. if that tells you the content how it's changing so your 12 year old reading a young adult novel is probably not appropriate it's probably guaranteed they're going to find some content that you probably need to debrief on i liked looking at the um speaking of young adult novels just the, the caldecott and newberry winners i think that's a great place to go and i mean you can go back go to the 20s 30s yes. 40s 50s. Yeah. Like there's some great, because they were addressing things in their culture. So there's some really interesting ones that have like addressed Chinese culture or addressed Native American culture. Some Jim really Trelease good. has a really good book yeah. called The Read Aloud Handbook. Ooh. And 
I'm sure he's updated it since the one I've got at home, but it's a good source. Oh, we'll have to link to that. Jim Trelease, the Read Aloud Handbook. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. But definitely, I would go back to the, I mean, an adult, the Lord of the Rings series is tough. Mm -hmm. A lot of the fantasy novels today are tough. Mm-hmm. Lots of vocabulary and situations and world building. Um, so read some of those older novels instead of what's contemporary out there on mm-hmm. the shelves. And you're probably getting more vocabulary mm-hmm. and better content anyway. Um, That's a discipline I'm trying to just apply to myself is to read some dead people. Yeah. Russian <laughs> Russian novels are Read great. some dead people. Yeah. Because if I only read from people of my generation, my current lifetime, I'm, what am I going to learn? Only what we're, we're only seeing the world one way. Mm-hmm. I, and if, when you go back and read some people who lived a long time ago, wow. What are the what, classics? Are classics for yes, a reason? That it's little clarifying. women memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. It's very mm-hmm. clarifying. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this has been so fun. I know. What, what have we missed, Bobby? What would you want to tell moms? Is there any, something we, we didn't ask you and you'd say, hey, I want to tell you this? <laughs> Don't forget. I guess want to reiterate the, how important if you want your child at 12, 13, 16, 18, want them to continue to be readers, you have to start when they're born. Um, and I don't know that it guarantees you that they're going to be readers, but it does certainly help along the way. Uh, I think your child is going to be uh, a better learner. Uh, they're going to understand what they see and what they read more if you'll start when they're infants. Not wait until they can understand. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. I do have one babies. One <laughs> extra question. We did talk about dads reading to mm-hmm. the kiddos. Um, and obviously awesome aunts can read to the kiddos. <laughs> but does it matter? Does it make a difference if grandparents or siblings or other family members read? Is that done in a different way? Or does that have a different impact? I don't know if it has a different impact. My mom always read to my sister's children when they came over. My mother always read to them. Um, I've read to all the grandchildren. So I don't know if it helps or hurts. It can't hurt. It's just one more person. It's just one one more person saying reading Mm -hmm. is cool. This is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So enlist. Enlist your tribe of people. Mm -hmm. Your babysitters, your friends, whoever's in your neighborhood reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. You're welcome. This has been great. great. I love this conversation. I know. So good. So we're going to have some of these resources that Bobby mentioned on our website at justaskyourmom.com. Please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and take a few seconds to rate and review the podcast and share us with your friends and family. Yes. And we always are looking for those topic suggestions or questions. You can send them to us at just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on just, just ask, ask your mom. mom.